welcome again to another episode of Out of Character. I am Jupiter Sanders, and today we have Opti. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're well. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. Why I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have Opti on. I'm gonna release it the same weekend as as Gen Con, and and then Gen Con. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. And I said, well, without it, we'll do this. And then it was like, eh. <laughs> so, but thank you for coming. Yeah, Gen, Gen Con not happening threw off our big launch plans as well. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want a spoiler, everybody. Did it really? Mm, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it, but we will get into it. <laughs> not having, uh, not having to track all these people down and having them be <laughs> at home with a week off with all of their money they were gonna spend on other things uh, all of a sudden available to spend on that Kickstarter. Yeah. Now I, I could be projecting, but but that's what, I, that's what I'm telling myself anyway. So for those of you that don't know, and I'd be surprised if there are any of you that don't know, Opti is I, I would use the word prolific in the Shadowrun community. Yes, you, in the Shadowrun community. Yeah. <laughs> you've been in the Arcology podcast. Uh -huh. You have start. You were the creator of the Neo Anarchist podcast. Yes, that's you probably what I'm known most. Known for. most for. Well, no, you're known most for being such an all around wonderful person. That is fantastic. That is. That's uh, what everybody says. That's I such a compliment. A person that that says, "Have you met him? He's wonderful." And I'm like, "What, what an a hole!" <laughs> and I'm, I know they all say he is wonderful. He is just the nicest person. Like, you and you are. You truly are just the nicest person. That's fantastic. You, you didn't have to say <laughs> that, but I'm really glad you did. <laughs> You've also Shadowrun Origins. You've that, yeah. that will play podcast. The actual play of Shadowrun that is going through the first edition adventure set in the 2050s. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so much fun. You were also a founding member of the Shadowcasters Network. Yes, dragged kicking and screaming and and held against my will uh, <laughs> in, in that band <laughs> of, of Shadowcasters content creators, yes. <laughs> Freelance just kidding. Those are those are those are my brothers. I really those are, you, those are yes. great guys. You I you say things and we all know you're just joking. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Freelance work with CGL for Shadowrun 5th edition and 6th edition. Asterisk on 6th edition. on 6th edition. And we can talk about that if you like, but <laughs> we don't have to get into, into that. <laughs> we don't have to get into I know but all yeah. about it. We don't got to get into it. 5th edition Yes, and some of the work I'm most proud of, well, and least proud of, uh, is in the fifth edition. You know, I, I I think the crowning achievement of my time at, well, I, I guess I'm still still with CGL, but my crowning achievement in Shadowrun is the uh, multiply food spell. I just I just love that one, and uh, I'll stand by it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Earth Dawn. Yeah, I have some contracts to write some more Earth Dawn stuff, but they haven't they haven't kicked in yet. But yeah, I did some Earth Dawn. It was for the Adept's Journey Mystic Paths. And I wrote some uh, Orcish class-based stuff, which was super fun. And you've also done some work for Purgatory. Yes, Purgatory uh, is a, a Wild West plus, you know, Cthulhu type stuff that has not released yet. But yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. And uh, it, that's not Fragging Unicorns. That's just, it's uh, mm -hmm. uh, not, not Rather Dashing. It's... Um, Broomstick Fighters that is going to release that. But yeah, I did some freelance work for them. So uh, it, it is no surprise then that with all of this in your background that you are eventually going to create a company like Fragging Unicorns Games. You know, you would think so. And the earliest inclination that I had to start a game company was when I was discussing this with other freelancers. And I was like, guys, honestly, there's got to be a better way to do all this stuff that we want to do. We, we've got to be able to do it better. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I had an initial meeting, and this is years and years ago, initial meeting with a couple of folks that I thought were the most likely to to kind of have the same values I did and, and you know, want to do the same thing. And like, we just couldn't agree on anything. And like, it was just like, hey, I don't really like this idea. I don't really, everybody was being so negative. I don't know if you've ever, like when you were working when your teachers in school said like, okay, you're going to group up, right? And like, you could tell the groups were different. Like when you got in there and everybody's like, ooh, that's cool. Ooh, that's cool. And like encouraging everybody versus like you would throw out an idea and and people would be like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like it just sucks the energy out. So like, you know, it, 
over time, I realized that like freelancers are sort of you familiar with the term kept woman. I don't use that phrase, but it sort of applies, you know, here um, in that, like these freelancers were kept freelancers, like they were treated poorly and like they couldn't go anywhere and they just didn't have any desire to like do anything else unless somebody else was holding their hand. And I was like, that's not me, fam. Like I really rankle <laughs> under authority and I'm getting tired of, I'm getting tired of a lot of the stuff I'm seeing in the industry and I think we can do better. That's kind of where and it just took me a while to, to get around to getting there. Mm -hmm. And that was brought up Damien from Cybernautica. Yeah. Which now you're uh, also a voice. Yeah. Yes. Of. It's all this big incestuous family where we <laughs> we just we just help each other out. Damien is actually my art director for Frag and Unicorns too. There so you go. we just we keep yeah. it in the family. Yeah. But I I, I was talking to uh Damien and Oscor about uh, Cybernautica and moving into making it its own RPG system. Mm -hmm. And he had told me uh, once we were done, he goes, you need to talk to Opti. He has this great philosophy, this great business model. And it's completely different from how things work in the game industry now. Yeah. You want to talk to me about what that philosophy business model is and why does it differ from, or cause you, you've, experience the game industry and how they treat people workers within it and what made you decide to do it a different way so philo philosophically speaking you know call it crazy but <laughs> there's one thing that at least that christianity got right and it's like treat other people the way you want to be treated <laughs> like yeah. like like a lot of people don't necessarily follow through on that but like the the thought is pretty good and so that was where, where we were coming from. It's just like, if we wouldn't want somebody to do this to us, like, for example, if we're freelancers and we don't get paid anything up front and we don't get paid the balance of, of what we were contracted for uh, until the book actually comes out, which, you know, we have no control over, you know, the book may come out six months after we thought we were going to get the money. We, the book may come out never. Right. And which means we won't get the balance of that money. So like we just thought there's better way to do this. You know, so if you were to hire a plumber, you'd pay them half up front. If you hire a roofer, you play them half up front and blah, blah, blah. We thought like that's, you know, first step in being good is to treat the people who you have to hire the way you would want to be treated. And, and along with that is, you know, if, if I'm working on a, on a game, if I create, a, a character, for example, or a storyline or a place, I know that it belongs to that company. But also, there is a respect issue. And what I would want, again, just, just not what is legal, but what I would want is that if I create a storyline or if I create a, you know, we talk shadow on, if I create a company or a storyline or, or a character, it would be nice if uh, people would just ask or, or talk to me before they would do something that I hadn't planned with that character or place or company or whatever storyline. So that's, that's sort of the ethos that we put into it. And then secondarily, it would be nice. And this goes back to some economic radical principles, or I guess radical in our society is that if you work on something, if you're doing all the work for something, you should be making the profit off of that thing instead of just doing work so that somebody else can make profit. And so we've been trying to work out what it looks like to work those principles into the company. And so far, what we've done is this. We've had to hire some freelance folk because there's just certain things that we don't have in our toolbox, you know, the people who are in the, on the core Frag and Unicorns team. And when we hire freelancers, we offer them one of two options. You can become a part of the company and do work for free, essentially, until we start making money, which is how all of us operate that are part of the core group. Or, you know, and get paid when, when we all get paid, you get paid according to however much you work. Or you can get paid a freelance rate that you set, and we will pay you half up front and half right when we get, you know, the, the work from you. So some people have chosen to become part of the team and put work in, you know, they may never get paid. We just crossed a threshold actually on the Kickstarter of 50,000, which means anything from here on out means that uh, we start splitting, you know, the stuff that we were using to pay back debts, we now start splitting that. So I think right now it looks like we're all going to get about 
six dollars and seventy eight cents. Yeah, but but from here on out, we can only we can only grow. But yeah, freelancers get paid fifty percent right up front. They get paid the last fifty percent when they sign the contract. They get to set their rates. But yeah, it's important to us to offer that if they want, they can make profit. We just don't want to steal the work from people who are doing the work to make mm -hmm. profit. But that doesn't that doesn't work for everybody else, you know, um, especially if you're struggling right now. Yeah. Uh, so we, we give the option. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I'm not taking a salary. I put in work just like everybody else. And I might be putting in more of the work, you know, since this is in many senses my baby. But we have other people who are putting in uh, a lot of hours. And at the end of the day, we calculate up the hours, worked on a project. We split it, you know, percentage wise. And that's that's how we're doing things. You know, everything is is non-hierarchical. And yes, somebody has to be the leader. Uh, and in this case, it's me. But I try to make all decisions based on consensus again, which is which is a pain in the butt sometimes. Not going to lie, but it's working, and and we're treating people the way we want. We're proud of everything that we've done, and and so far so good. No, it's it's great, and you. I mean, we joke about the the six dollars and some odd cents, but that's six dollars that that's yours made from your creation. That's profit, like yeah. It's profit. It's, it's like, it's like real grown up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's amazing. That's great. Yeah. You know, and you know, that, that is an achievement. It's yes, it's $6 and we may go, oh, it's just six bucks. Like you can't even like get, yeah. you can get a you know, meal, but it's $6 still. now, you know, and, and just real, real money talk. It's $6 mm -hmm. now because all of our debts are paid off. Yeah. But now anything that we sell from here on out, you know, the rest of the Kickstarter or after the Kickstarter that's just going to go that that's just that's like real job stuff right like we 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 get we get real monies for yeah. doing the real work yeah. it's a it's a it's a great a great accomplishment you should be incredibly proud especially when you're you're being very upfront on how you're going to treat your freelancers you're going to say either you you come in and you do it for free and you're going to take a piece of it or we'll pay you. you. You get to set your rate and we're going to give you half up front and half later. And you're being very upfront and honest and you're get, putting it in their hands as to whether they want to take that chance getting in on the ground floor mm -hmm. of this company or do they just want to get their pay and leave and, yeah. or, you know, and maybe continue. But that would be their relationship, which it is different. Like, like you said, some freelancers just never see the money for the work. They do. They're basically, you know, they create something and then nothing ever comes of it. And that has to be frustrating as a, a freelancer. Absolutely. I know people who did work for game companies, say, five years ago. There was a little kerfuffle in a couple of the gaming companies between freelancers and the, and the company. And they still have not got paid, you know, from work they did five years ago and, and big work, right? Like, so entire books that were created but never released and these guys just never got paid so yeah we I, we definitely want to not be that definitely want to be different than that mm -hmm. as an addendum one of the things that we learned is exactly why companies do that kind of bullcrap is it's expensive <laughs> to <laughs> to do it right right like we could have made so much more money by just like doing little cheats here and there like we absolutely could have made ourselves not wealthy, but like we could have taken home a good chunk of change already if we just would have cut corners all the way, you know, but like part of developing our, our game and the lore behind our game was having, for example, a lot of diverse people groups, but we had to say, okay, if, if our, if our system, I mean, we can get into that too, but if our, if our world, the world that we're creating has these specific people groups that also exist in the real world, wouldn't it be better to have some people who are authentically from that culture be able to speak and to, you know, give some input into that? And it turns out that kind of thing, even if it's just in a giving advice type sense, it's just not free, right? <laughs> like if people are going to give you work, even if it's just, you know, giving you, what do they call that? Sometimes they call it sensitivity reading, but that's not what we did. We actually had people come in and create different worlds and do world building, right? It's not, the kind of th stuff that's going to go directly into the books, but like they, they created what the worlds were like and whatnot. So that kind of world building is not free uh, and trying to track down people from all sorts of different cultures is, is not super easy. And that stuff's not really part of uh, gangs of the undercity. It's just laying the groundwork 
so that we can do Gangs of the Undercity stuff and and make sure that we're uh, above board and and not being stupidly offensive when we don't have to be. So yeah, we could have cut corners all over the place. You know, uh, when we when we hire artists, you know, it's a common practice to bundle them up and say, hey, if we hire you for this much, can you give us you know everything at seventy five percent? And the artist is in a weird position now because they really need that steady work. But also, mm -hmm. like their rates are their rates, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. we haven't done that. We just said, okay, set your rate, and and we say yes. So uh, I will say, if you go to for anyone listening, take the time, go to fraggingunicorns.com to their about page. You're going to see their mission statement. They're going to tell you who they are and what they want. As you do, you're going to see a, a company that is trying to do something good. It's trying to be fair and isn't doing a money grab. They're not making this game to just get richer or, you know, grab some money and, you know, screw people over or use them up or whatever. They are really trying to do something different, something good, and also contribute to gaming. Yeah, the, the gaming is what we love, but we never want to sacrifice who, who we are, who we want to be, right? So if we can't do gaming stuff and be good at the same time, we would rather just not do gaming stuff. There you but, go. but... But we have we have a sneaking suspicion that we can we can do awesome gaming stuff and be every bit as good to people as we as we want to be. Uh, it, it's it's kind of sad to say that. No, yeah, you can make a good product and be a decent person. <laughs> you would like, you would think otherwise. <laughs> Who knew it was such a hard thing to do? But right. yeah, you're you're giving it the old college try. Good on yeah. you. And you're but, I, I think you're succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> But but also it is hard to do, right? Like we didn't know how easy it would be to take a lot of these shortcuts and, and screw people. Like as we found out all of these, there's a billion little ways that you can not provide quality, for example, or not provide pay or, you know, just, just weirdly take advantage of people, use underhanded tactics to, to just do all sorts of stuff, you know, like from, and, and every, every, area from your marketing to your hiring to your manufacturing there's just weird little things mm -hmm. you can do and 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 as i went through like i i went out like for example when i was looking for manufacturers for the miniatures i came across one of these manufacturing groups in china that was actually using some minis from another game company that i'd worked for as their promotional you know stuff mm -hmm. and i was like i have those minis I'm not really impressed with them. And now I'm looking at how much they cost. And I go, oh, I understand why they went with the, with this company <laughs> because they're the cheapest and it shows. <laughs> so in, a, in our quest to do, you know, really great quality miniatures, we had to, you know, find the best people who could work with us on that, not just the cheapest. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your first, the Frag and Unicorns games. Their first game that they're putting out is yes. Gang Gangs of the Undercity. It Gangs is of the Undercity. A cyberpunk fantasy skirmish game. Mm -hmm. I like I like the use of the word skirmish. <laughs> Skir skirmish is a way to differentiate it from larger scale war games like Warhammer or 40k. So tell me the concept of of the game. I mean, I know it. I did my sure. Homework. Yeah, of course. <laughs> for your, for like, your I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> elevator pitch for your audience. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Gangs of the Undercity is a game where it's cyberpunk and fantasy, as you said, uh, and it takes place in the undercity of Neo Babylon, which is like this huge mega sprawl in, in our world, uh, the worlds of, of Gangs of the Undercity. And the game play is essentially you have figures, you know, in the same way that, um, you know, Warhammer, Infinity or, or 40K or et cetera, you get to paint them, you get to choose them, you get to build your own gang, and then you get to fight against each other for turf in the Undercity. D6 based, you know, blah, blah, blah. We can get into the weeds of uh, the gameplay, but essentially that's, that's what we're doing. We're producing the majority of the funding that we're hoping for is going to go to producing these high quality, high detailed metal figures, which mm -hmm. are cyberpunk fantasy type stuff. So if you're familiar with Shadowrun, as I assume most of your audience is, these are the kind of things that will fit right in you know, as proxies for your Shadowrun characters if you like using oh. uh, figures on a board. Mm -hmm. Good. 
and I'm I'm seeing well let let me I have so many things in my head right now. Mm-hmm. You've been playtesting for a while. I actually know Tom uh-huh. is one of your who's Chuck in the Without a Net Shadowrun saga. He's Finn in the Cthulhu and he's one of your playtesters. He's been working with you as part of that. How many people do you have playtesting or did you have playtesting before this went to into production or, or launched? Let me see. I can pull that up right now and and tell you exact numbers. Well, oh, that was that was the wrong one. I was like, no, I, there's got to be more than nine. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we had roughly, <laughs> yeah, we had roughly fifty at one point, mm-hmm. and, and probably like ten others who are not like a part of that particular uh, group on Discord. But yeah, we had we've had. 50 or 60 people with eyes on this for five or six months. Uh, and and we, okay. keep, we keep doing revisions. We've learned a lot, again, from being frustrated freelancers in that if we keep it open and, and public facing as long as possible before we push print, that's going to be better for us. So we're not having any sort of, this is the final thing until it's time to push, push print. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it's been going on for for quite a while. I do remember at the at Gen Con last year at the Without a Net meet and greet, you you came to that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but you brought the prototype. Yeah, it, that was game. a that was and a long played. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the and and there's been so many different builds of the playtest since then. But yeah, that was uh, that was that was still fun. Yeah. <laughs> I remember everybody who was who was watching thought it was great. And uh, we've just made a bunch of improvements. It's been a year, actually. That's how uh-huh. yeah, wow yeah, it has been a, a, year. Year. a year. Yeah. So we've we've been improving it in in large and small ways for for over a year. Um, mm-hmm. You know. And again, the prototype was fun. So we we hopefully will just keep making something that's even more fun. All right. So and and so the premise is like you said, you have gangs. So you're gonna build your your gang or. Let's put it in other terms, like uh, if you had 40K, if you were doing 40K, you'd build your army, a point-based system. Yeah. In Gangs of, of the Undercity, when you build your gang, is it the same kind of point-based, or how do you decide how many gang members you get? Yeah, well, we offer a couple of different ways into that. So first, if, you, if you're if you new to this, and in Wargaming is really not something that you've done before we have sample gangs you know so you can just play as the valkers or the flaming skulls or the bulls of heaven or the law jacks like right out of the box you should be able to just you know put those figures on use the pre-generated stats and 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 gang list and get going as soon as possible but you can also take that list and using the gang creation rules you can alter that list uh, a little bit see I don't like uh, so many drones. Maybe I want more elementals, right? So you can just replace those out, blah, 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 using what we're calling fortune instead of points. Or once you get more comfortable, and maybe if you already have a lot of wargaming in your background, you can build your own gang using the gang templates. So say, you know, you don't want your gang to be the Valkers or the Flaming Skulls or any of our canon gangs. You can, you know, scrub the, the serial number off, call it whatever you want and just use the template for one of those gangs to create your own gang with your own minis. And and uh, as long as you go by the sort of rules of that particular game gang template. So for example, the Valkyrs are an all elf gang. So one of their rules of their template is you can only have elves in that gang. Mm-hmm. So as long as you abide by those kind of template rules, you can build it however you want. You can have six elf magi all in one group you could have six elf breachers or or you know hackers uh, if that's what you want to do so you can have a billion drones you can have one guy with an elemental army as long as you are you know obeying the gang template you really have an unprecedented level of control as to how to build your gang how many people so obviously i, I it's a two player i can go gang against gang but how many people can play in this in this, yeah, the in this the way that it's balanced, I'll say that the way that it's balanced is for two players to be able to play against each other. But there are rules, and they're not terribly complicated. You know, it's not super hard to add another person. But mm-hmm. the rules themselves allow you to just play with as many people as you want to. Well, I guess up to six would probably be as, as many as I would go for, and maybe four would be more comfortable. 
And at two, it's balanced. But like, if you just want to have fun and you just want to throw stuff in there, you know, and, and have fun with your buddies, there's no reason why you couldn't just, you know, have everybody with a gang and, and start playing. Honestly, I think you could even play a solitaire version of this as well, I think. Yes, actually, that's. I'm glad that you brought that up. We do have our our narrative mode, which is you can play solo. So mm-hmm. if you can imagine a sort of choose-your-own-adventure-style game, a board game, but the enemies, the NPCs, are sort of controlled with a really primitive AI. So you, like, you might draw a card, and, and it will tell you what they do in this situation, etc., cetera, et cetera. But yeah, we will. We have a we have a narrative mode that's gonna make it in. And so yeah, if you can't find any friends to play with, then just you know, boot up the narrative mode and and take your character through and see how they do. Well, not that you can't find friends. You probably have friends that you can play with, but they're not gonna play as well as you. So you may as well go against the AI. That's right. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to assume anything about anybody. There's exactly. got to be somebody out there who can't find friends, and <laughs> gangs of the Undercity will be your friend. Will be your friend. You launched the Kickstarter, and I got a bone to pick. Sure. You launched the Kickstarter on a Wednesday morning. Yeah. While everybody was at work. And I'm sitting here going, why? I'm at work. I'm like, why? Why would he do this in the middle of in the middle of the week, in the morning when everybody's at work? <laughs> and then, well, you know what? I should have, uh, you made me eat my words, <laughs> didn't you? Because yeah. how long before you were fully funded? It was, as I was still copy and pasting stuff for social media, <laughs> like I was doing a live stream for the launch and you know, we had maybe like 20, 25 people who were hanging out. And as we were still talking about an hour and 15 minutes in, they're like, check the Kickstarter, look at the Kickstarter. <laughs> and so we funded about an hour and 15 minutes after we launched, which was like, oh my gosh, that was just such an yeah. incredible feeling for, for, for somebody who thought like, man, we're going to really struggle to get, you know, 12,000 over the course of 30 days, like to be able to hit that in an hour and a half and then just keep watching it go up and up and up over the course of two days. It's just been incredible. Yeah, because you are at $50,865. Ooh, looks like a couple more people have pledged since I last looked. Yeah, you only only (laughs) wanted 12. You did stretch goals up to 75,000. You're only four days in and you are three quarters of the way to your stretch goal limit. Yeah. We had to go back to the table and go like, <laughs> okay, guys, <laughs> we need some more stretch goals, apparently. Do you, are and you going to make more? Y- yeah. So what we we had an initial group of stretch goals, because again, we just thought if we can push it all the way to 50, wouldn't that be grand? Yeah. Right. Like we just thought like that's we're shooting for the moon and like that's what we need to pay off all the debts. And and gosh, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be shooting for the moon? But we just we ran right up to almost 50 within within two days. And so we were like, well, it is entirely possible that over the next 29 days (laughs) we could we could blow past these. And, you know, that would be a shame to miss the opportunity for more stretch goals. So we had a, a production meeting and some of our stretch goals were sort of just like vague. Like if we get 10,000 more, then we'll make five or, you know, random we'll more models or whatever. This. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we didn't think too much about them because number one, like we didn't think that we would hit that. But number two, we thought that if we were going to hit that, we would have more time to think about it and be more thoughtful about what those should be. So we we had to go back to the drawing board and actually change some of the things that we're doing in response to a lot of the feedback that we're getting on the Kickstarter. So for example, we priced our, our um, unlock minis. Some, some Kickstarters like raise the money to, to fund their, their plastic molds. And once their plastic molds are funded, you know, it's like a penny or so to create a new model, but we are doing metal molds. And so the cost is relatively cheap up front, but it does cost us a certain, you know, dollar amount every, every metal miniature to make. So we can't just give people free metal miniatures just because they were unlocked. Cause not only does that cost more money, but also metal is more expensive to ship. So we, we knew it'd get, we'd get ourselves in trouble if we just gave away every mini that was unlocked. We wanted to be as upfront about the price as possible. So we were charging $10 a mini. So if a mini gets unlocked, a new sculpt, then at the end of the campaign, you can purchase that for $10 as an add-on. And people were like, hey, listen, I'm just not used to paying $10 for a mini on Kickstarter. Can you can you do something about that? Can you give us an all-in option or whatever? 
Mm-hmm. And so one of the big conversations this, uh, I say this week, like the last couple of days between our team is how we can do both, how we can keep our costs in a, in a conservative place. So we make sure that we meet our obligations, but also give people what they're looking for. And so we came up with the idea of these gang boxes, which just went live this morning. And we talked about, I talked about it in the update that I put out this morning, which is if we unlock enough minis to make another gang, right? So like right now we have the Valkyrs and the Flaming Skulls in our two-player starter, and there's six minis from each gang. If we unlock enough minis that we can fill another one of our unlocked gangs, like for example, the Lawjacks now have enough minis that we can field an entire gang full of Lawjacks. So once we did that, we started offering boxes, uh, gang specific boxes. So now you can, you can order a, an entire box of Lawjacks. You can order the, the Lawjack set and you'll get a discount for ordering all five of those models. Instead of having to pay $50 for them individually, they might end up being, um, I don't want to, I don't want to even say maybe $30 for the box. Uh, mm-hmm. so give you a little discount in case you wanted to buy more minis. I'm looking at, I mean, all the stuff that's included, the minis, and then you've got the tokens, you've got dice, you've got this tape measure that I adore. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm like, oh my gosh. It's, it's kind of cute, little, right? <laughs> it's adorable. Look at this little tape measure. And then the terrain set. Mm. Yeah, the terrain is incredible. It's beautiful. Um, and I can say as much awesome stuff about that as possible because we didn't actually make that. We um, partnered up with a company called Death Ray Designs, and the the way that it happened is really funny, and it'll show you how unprofessional we are, but also how freaking rad sometimes things are when you just take the chance. So we had somebody who was doing our terrain for us, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're we're a new company. You know, do you mind if we make some terrain?" And we're like, "Yeah, we hadn't really planned on making terrain be a, a big deal. We were just gonna have people use whatever terrain they had lying around." But we said, uh, "Sure, yeah, no problem." And so, you know, we were getting pretty far down the process, maybe just a, a couple of months ago to make sure that we had it all available, we could price it and make sure we had the availability or, or the uh, ability to fulfill it. And then at some point he just said, hey, listen, sorry about this. I know we had worked up a bunch of stuff and I know that things are going the right direction, but my partner just sold the laser and we can't do it anymore. Sorry. And then just like, that was it. So like all the the sort of prototype work that we had done and like all the the stuff that we had paid for and, and started painting up, we were like, oh man, that sucks. What are we going to do? So I went and I started asking people like, hey, who makes the best cyberpunk uh, futuristic themed terrain that you've seen? And everybody kept saying Death Ray Designs. I went on their website and you know how sometimes you have the carts at the very top, right? You know, you can kind of see the currency that that it's set to. I looked up there and for whatever reason, the, the little currency icon was in pounds and I was like, no, 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 I really need somebody who's who's U.S. based because I can't really afford to have that shipped here. And so I went back to the people recommending. I was like, sorry, no, I need a U.S. based. And they're like, idiot, they're U.S. based. <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, so I think they're at North Carolina. So I went back and I said, hey, guys, and, and this story is taking way too long. I'm adding too many uh, details that are irrelevant, but I appreciate your patience. Uh, and so I reached out to them and I said, hey, here's the situation. My Kickstarter goes live in a couple of months and our terrain guy backed out. You know, do you think that you might be able to work with us and create some cool stuff? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what kind of stuff are you after? And so I sent him sort of like primer on Neo Babylon and what it's like. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then like the next day he comes back with all of these prototypes. <laughs> like, like, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. And I said, yeah, full steam ahead, man. Like more stuff like that. And he ended up creating, Death Ray Designs ended up creating a, a, an entire table's worth of really, really great quality terrain. And then when I said, hey man, you know what, what do I owe you for this? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm taking a gamble. I think that this is going to be good for both of us. And so, you know, don't worry about paying me. We'll just partner up. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, how did I luck into this? You know, I just kind of, I just kind of waddled into an amazing partnership. That's, but see, this, this is what I'm saying. You are just so well liked. 
Hey, he, he didn't know me. <laughs> but he's dealt with you. He liked you. He's taken, he saw something in this, I think. And, and yeah. that's something there. So again, I, I think it's great. And, and you've talked about people wanting to get in on this. What if I don't want to, what if I don't want to be the normal Kickstarter backer? What if I really want to get in on it? Like, like say more about that. Be more specific. What if I want to be like a core member? I, I want to, I, oh, I don't want to be a part of the Frag and Unicorns team. I want to be part, like I, I, I don't really bring much to the table except money. Okay. <laughs> well, see, like we what, absolutely what will take your money. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely will take your money. The, the, what, what we, we have a setup, right? Mm -hmm. Where a certain amount of money is worth a certain amount of hours, right? So something like for every, oh, I don't know, for every hour that people work, we're calling that about $25, wow. you know? So if you wanted to buy into the company, and get a cut of our profits again. Like you know, you're you're taking an awfully big risk at this point. <laughs> if, if this is not a good investment opportunity, unless you really just you know want to throw money at something and, and be good. Uh -huh. But yeah, if for every twenty five dollars you throw, we're calling that an hour. So mm -hmm. we'll we'll put that up against however many hours everybody else has worked, and then mm -hmm. you'll get a cut of that when we start profiting. That's the only way that we know how to do it. You know, because everybody else has put in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours into this hundreds project. And hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So unless unless you have just like a super big pile of money and you want to just say, hey, I don't this is not an investment. I don't need this back. I just want to throw money at you because like, oh, my gosh, you guys are great. That's that's the only real thing I could feel good about doing and, and taking money <laughs> for, because I just really don't I, I just really don't see huge investments being able to be paid back. This is a labor of love, not an investment uh, of love. <laughs> okay. But still, right. if anybody else out there wants to just throw money at us, you uh, never you know, know. There could let be us somebody yeah. that says, you know what? I, I want to get in on the ground floor because I myself look at this game and I see a lot of future opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I know well, you've got more games in you, but just do. on this game alone, I see it scaling up because I can keep introducing gangs. Yeah. I can keep oh, well, introducing I, I, new cities. Let me cities. say, let me say uh, that. You know? If if somebody wants to step in and and really give an awful lot of money, you mm -hmm. know, like like a huge amount of money, then they would they would fund us being able to like for example, if if somebody said, Hey, I have thirty thousand dollars, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, what would you do with $30,000? I would say, well, I would buy some molds. I would buy some plastic, hips plastic molds. And then from then on, all of our minis that are sold, not as a part of the game, but just on their own, like off of our website, any minis that we sell, that could be an investment. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it might take a long time to make your investment up. But if somebody wanted to do that sort of thing, then absolutely. You know, I mean, if you wanted to help us fund, you know, our 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 plastics and our and our miniature manufacturing, I would have no problem doing that. But the game itself, you know, belongs to the people who worked on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if if anybody you had... hear that, rich investors, if you want to throw thirty thousand dollars, honestly, I, I, you say thirty. I'm thinking like come in with fifty grand. Come in with fifty grand. Match. If anybody wants to come in with fifty grand, I'll do whatever you want. We'll go on, <laughs> we'll go on dates, and uh, you know, I'll be a plus one. <laughs> I mean. I'll be if your designated you know, driver, whatever you need. <laughs> if Frag and Unicorns got an, an injection of cash money, yeah. what could you do to grow the company? And I think that's that's a question all of you, the core people in this game right now, or in this company right now, need to 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 ask yourselves if you got an injection of of cash from somebody that says, Hey, I can't really do anything but invest in you. Yeah. How would you how would you handle that and where could you go with it? Like I said, yeah. I see a lot of future with this game alone, and we're gonna get into the RPG for yeah. this game. But uh, like I said, there's expansions, there's new new cities. I wanna I games. wanna be I wanna be upfront. Like if somebody wants to give fifty thousand dollars, it comes with an asterisk. You know, like we are mm -hmm. not we are not the company that is going to do what you want us to do with with fifty thousand dollars. We're not the company that is that exists to please our investors. 
So mm-hmm. you might as well be losing $50,000 <laughs> if you give us that right. much money. All we will do it. awesome things with it, yeah. but you will not get your money back. <laughs> not right away, but eventually you will, especially if that company grows. But yes, if you're going to invest, you really need to be aligned with that mission yes, statement. Yes, you absolutely do. Company, yeah, and which, you will know that we will be being good to people and not making great financial decisions. Mm-hmm. But we, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's true. We will be, we will be being good first and, and, and making the games and doing the things that we want to do and that we think are right. And if you want to invest in that, cool and we can work out terms and whatnot but this is not something that you're going to be able to turn around and just make a quick buck on this is an investment in the future of a gaming company that wants to do things right yeah this this would be an investment in in bettering gaming as a whole yeah and i think that's that's a a noble i i if i had the fifty thousand lying around It'd be yours, sir. I'd give it if to you. If I had 50000 lying around, it would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> You'd buy your own company. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's one of the things that we look forward to doing is if if this ends up getting up to like the $100,000 mark, then you know the first thing that we do, obviously, is a cut of that. Well, it goes to production, right? And, and lowering the cost of production because at volume, things get cheaper, which is which is great. But for a starting company, right, and you don't know what the what the amounts are going to be, that was it's hard to to source. But you know, now wielding fifty or a hundred thousand dollars actually gets a lot easier to source stuff. But then the second thing we're going to do is everybody on the core team agreed that before not before we get paid, but the larger percentage right off the top is going to go towards reinvestment into fragging unicorns itself, like a down payment on the next game that we want to create called subversion. And we'll talk about that here in a second. And then with everything left over, we start paying people, uh, which I'm, which I'm pretty excited about. That 650 is going to really <laughs> in, inject some, some livelihood into my, into my house today. I, I think reinvesting, especially as a, a new company, I think it's smart to not take any, any of the profits. I think it's makes more sense to just constantly reinvest all that money back yeah. into it and just yeah. continue to grow it. That has been the refrain from the six or so core people on the team is we know that individually the amounts that we're going to get from Gangs of the Undercity, if, if it funds right now at 50 and we don't get any more money in the next 28 days, the consensus is it's not going to actually help any of us that much. But as a whole, that money put towards reinvestment in the company would actually make a big difference. So that most of the folks on the core team, including myself, have probably decided, pretty much decided just to not take whatever salary that we get and make sure that the next game that we have is going to be amazing and we'll, we're able to do it even better and easier than we did this one. Would you do another Kickstarter to launch another game? Yeah, I think I think this has been an absolutely incredible experience mm-hmm. so far. Let, I'll, I'll tell you after we have to do all the fulfillment, you know, in, in a couple <laughs> of months, I'll let you know if this is a. But yeah. like the next game that we have planned, I should say that actually Frag and Unicorns has a game right now that is ready to go, an RPG. And, and that's a kind of a fun story. We can talk about that in a second. That's mm-hmm. neither Gangs of the Undercity or Subversion. But yeah, once once we have the ability to do anything else whether it's a board game or a card game or an rpg the process for those is so much less intense and so much easier right mm-hmm. it's just it's for an rpg the the manufacturing side it's just a book you know what i mean like we're making a book alongside everything else we're doing for gangs of the undercity but if you're just making an rpg like that that it's simplified like everything that we're doing, you know, gets cut into small little bits and we can focus more on those small bits and making them amazing versus having to, you know, worry about packaging and the quality of the miniatures and and getting the sculpts. We can just make sure that we get the game right. We can make sure we get the layout done right. We can make sure that we get the art done right. And hey, we have a book. So yeah, the next the next Kickstarter, I uh, I'm actually already looking forward to it. I'm getting excited about it even now because we're we're absolutely confident that with the way that we've been able to handle this much responsibility that we'll be able to handle uh, a smaller amount much easier. Well, that's good. So what do you want to talk about first, the the RPG or subversion? Okay, so I don't mind I don't mind talking about the RPG a little bit. There is one of my favorite indie creators. His name is Robert Bowl. 
And he created one of my favorite independent RPGs called Misspent Youth. It's a gang of teenage rebellion in an effed up future is the, the tagline. It's a, it's a small, like simple little game, but like it has a tremendously cool mechanic in that like everybody kind of creates the world together. They create your the characters together. And then you have to balance, you know, winning the game versus selling out your core principles. And I just, I loved it so much that I've been a huge supporter and we did a, um, a live stream of, of an actual play of uh, Misspent Youth on the Shadowcasters Network for, I don't know how long it was, maybe six weeks. And Robert, the creator, was on and we just, we got to know each other pretty well and I really appreciated him. But this last, I think maybe two weeks ago, he said that uh, he was just out of the industry. He didn't want to make games anymore. He just kind of didn't want to deal with, you know, um, all the personal stuff that he was dealing with and just wanted to focus on, you know, his his career and his family and whatnot. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, I really love Misspent Youth. I, I mean, I really, really love it. It would be a shame, you know, to, to not have it continue after you're gone. Like, would you consider allowing me, you know, Fragging Unicorns, to publish it after you're gone? And he's like, no, I don't really want you to just publish it. And he sent me an email and he said, I want you to have it. You know, <laughs> so as of today, he just gave Fragging Unicorns all of the rights, all the assets, all the rights for publishing and all the profits for misspent youth. We, we, you know, Fragging Unicorns just owns that game now. And again, because it's one of my favorite games, uh, I could not be more excited, but it's pretty rad to be able to, to, to say that we, we own it. But this game is also going to be turned into an RPG. Is that yes. what I'm hearing? Yeah. So Gangs of the Undercity, the miniatures game, is the world that we're creating. And that that is absolutely going to be an RPG. We are we are really, really big RPG nerds. <laughs> like that's that's sort of like like myself, I was a lifelong war gamer and RPG player, but a lot of the folks on our team have been just salivating about the RPG because that's really where their talents and their enjoyment lie. So the, the people that have been creating Gangs of the Undercity are really, really great at what they do. But we have a team that is every bit as excited to create the RPG in the Gangs of the Undercity world called Subversion. And Subversion is all about fighting the world uh, on the world's terms, right? So you have a, a hierarchy in Gangs of the Undercity. It is a, an arcanocracy, right? It's a rule by people who wield their magic against other people. And in the Undercity, you your options are limited. You have to you know find a gang to hook up with and and survive that way. But in Subversion, you know it broadens out to this uh, entire world that is basically at the beck and call of the largest city called Neo Babylon, and they uh, revere ancient Babylonian gods and culture. That's sort of the 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 point of divergence for our world from the real world. Is magic has always existed. And in, in history, Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar II was the first to really be able to formulize that magic and wield it on a large scale to uh, affect world politics. So instead of Babylon falling right uh, in the uh, in the early BC, instead, they were able to hold on to power and have a thousand more years of influence over culture in the old world. And so our world reflects that. And you will be playing as actors, like A-C-T-E-R-S, right? People who act uh, or as freebooters who are basically rebelling for their own various reasons against the arcanists, against the guilds, against the corporations, trying your best to get your community safe and as good as they can possibly be. That's the that's the sort of non-elevator pledge. That's a long-winded long-winded description that we haven't really worked uh, on. I'll, I'll refine that, that elevator pitch. And, and next time we come on, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll have a, I'll have a, a really quick and easy way to say all that. I'm going to need your 30 second pitch and your five. <laughs> right. Thank you. <laughs> Put you through your paces. Yeah. Um, so what's been the most surprising thing about this whole experience from the very beginning where you first got that little idea noodling around in your brain to day four of your Kickstarter at 50,000 
So I could obviously say reaching 50,000 or funding in one and a half hours or, you know, death ray designs saying like all of those were like, wow. Or Robert just giving us misspent youth. Like all of those things have been like really, really incredible. But one of the things, I think the thing that I, I don't, I don't know if I never could have saw it, but I guess I just never, I never thought to hope that it would be this way is that without me having to go headhunt without me having to twist people's arms, the leadership of Frag and Unicorns emerged sort of organically. And so one day, like, you know, again, a year ago when we were talking and playtesting at Origins, we had a few people who were around and a few people who were on the playtest, you know, board and a few people who had said, like, hey, whatever you're doing, you know, I, I want to know about it. So we had a little discord, you know, it was, it was just a few people. But as we kept adding more and more people to the discord, it emerged that like I would leave, you know, to do something else for a couple of days and I would come back and all of this work was done. You know, like, like Tom, for example, like he would, he, he would say, um, Hey, I created, he was the first one actually. Well, Bamps was the first one to really say, Hey, I want in on this and here's a bunch of ideas. And so that started me off, you know, having somebody who's excited, like I'm excited, like really kind of, um, you know, gets me pumped up. So on a mechanics level, BAMPS was very helpful there, but also my buddy Palmer and uh, Gardemanger from Shadowrun Origins, they were there on the lore bit and they're just pumped up, right? Like they're just excited for what's, what's going on. But then I think I was just really surprised when I said, hey, uh, I'm having trouble figuring out this dice mechanic. And Tom just said, oh, well here, try this. I made this program to crunch these numbers over the weekend. I hope this helps. And I was like, what? <laughs> like he did, I didn't ask him to do that. He just sort of made the program and said, hey, I did this. And and it was it was just the first moment where I went like, oh, like people are doing work for this. You know, people are excited about this. People are, are into this and they're willing to put in work and they're willing to do stuff. So one of our team named, uh, named Ryan and, and Tom have been, putting in way more work. Like, again, I left for a trip, a two-week trip, and I came back and, like, this entire section of the book had just been written. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these guys are just just doing incredible work, and I'm not having to do anything. And then at a certain point, I realized that I don't have to do all this or oversee it myself, and I started delegating, which was an incredibly scary thing to do. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, but it was the best, right? Like, I... I felt like, man, I need quality control. I need to know, you know, what's going on and, and make sure this is good because it's going to have my name on it. But I realized that they are, say they are saying the same things. Like they have the same amount of buy-in. They've been working on this as long as I have. And it's okay for me to say, okay, you guys do this. That's that's what a, a leader in the way that we want this company to be. That's what a leader does. <laughs> they don't, they don't, micromanage they don't you know force it to be their way they trust people and they let it go and then they collaborate you know back and forth so that's that's been the most incredible thing it's just the the team that we have and the collaboration and the amount of buy-in that they all have and passion and support you know we, we rarely have arguments well i shouldn't say that the arguments that we have are about lore and, and whether or not griffins should have the the front hind, hind or the front feet of of birds or the front feet of mammals, right? Like that, those are the those are the arguments that we have. Um, birds. Yeah. Well. Yes. So it, you know, you, we we know where you stand now. <laughs> but we we uh, yeah we, we don't have any real arguments about uh, treating each other well and and the way that the company should be run. We have arguments about the the lore. You know what I mean, and and the things that are passionate about the world we're creating, but not we're not arguing against each other. We're arguing for you know uh, ideas. Yeah, and it's just it's just been an incredible thing to to sit back and watch. I never would have expected when I started this that I would have had a a core group that cares about, frankly, cares about me, but also cares about the company as much as they do. So th I'm sure there's people out there that are also toying with the idea of putting out a game and doing a Kickstarter and having the same kind of success you found here. Yeah. What was the hardest lesson that you've learned in doing this whole process? 100%. And I'm, I'm just going to, this is the most mundane answer, but it's absolutely true. The hardest thing continues to be sourcing and manufacturing. 
Like if you don't know the lingo and if you don't have industry connections, it is it is just a Herculean task. I, I am still behind the eight ball. Like I'm confident that I could have produced the game for five or $10 less if I had all the industry connections and if I would have been sourcing from those industry connections, you know, a year ago. But like there was just stuff that I did not know, even up until a week before the Kickstarter launched, I had to, I randomly reached out to a fulfillment center in, in Europe that we're going to use to make sure that we can get the people in Europe, their games as cheap as possible. But he saw some of my numbers and he said, oh, whoa, 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 you can get that way cheaper. And I was like, well, if that's true, tell me how, right? So we talked about it and like just knowing somebody, right? And just knowing, uh, like, for example, the boxes that we're going to use, you know, I kept looking and, and trying to source board game boxes. But we don't need board game boxes for the for what we're doing. We need something else that are called reverse tuck boxes, right? <laughs> like so, like the the stuff that that war games use, right? We're not yeah. we're not shipping a board game. We're you know so we don't need a board. Uh, we're shipping these miniatures with the with the booklet and blah blah blah. So I I searched my parameters. I went back to my suppliers and said like, hey, I don't need this like thick box you know, that's going to be a pain to ship. I need this box instead. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be pennies on the dollar. It's like, well, God almighty, like, why didn't I know this before? So yeah, that, that continues on and you will just never know what you don't know. Right. And so I don't, I even still, I don't know how to, I don't know who to look for and, and how to find that person that can just say, listen, I'll take care of your manufacturing. That's, that would be an incredible thing to, to have somebody on the team who just says like, yes, I can take care of that because it's all been on me since the beginning, since that's just way out of everybody else's wheelhouse too. And, and, and I am not equipped for it. If you want to make a game, right, you're probably not the kind of person who, who loves to track down manufacturing terms and, and learn and measure. And I mean, it's just, a, it's just a, a silly, awful part that I hate doing but I had to get good at it it's, and it's I still an haven't gotten part. good at it, but, but no. I should. <laughs> well, because even as you continue in this whole process, I, you know, you may end up having, you know, manufacturers, people that can do this, contact you and go, what are you p paying now to get this done? And we have. Yeah. Yeah. So I can do this better. So what, cause you're doing great on social media, getting the word out and somebody is always looking for an opportunity because they want to make money too. So yeah. you'll have people reaching out to you going, I can do this cheaper for you. Yeah. So, so the problem with that is I would say 99% of the people that reach out are from China. And that's, I mean, like, I don't have any problems with China. You know I mean? Like, like <laughs> China's great, you know, as, as a, as a landmass uh, and the people are great, but like what I don't have is, uh, is a grasp of Chinese language. And what I don't have is the ability to go there and to make sure that they're doing it right. And what mm -hmm. I don't have is the ability to say, oh, thanks for the for the package, but this isn't quite right. Let's go back and forth over the, you know, the course of a couple of months just to make sure. So being able to source what I can in the US for as little as I can has been a goal of ours because I can build relationships with people instead of just, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's been a way smoother process when I've been able to talk to somebody who's, and I, I say speak my language, not literally speaks my language, but like somebody who gets what we're trying to do and, and we can go back and forth and, and BS a little bit and, and have a good time with each other while we're talking as we figure out what I need to do. And, and the folks in China were like, they're just like literally just machines, right? Where they just crank out stuff you know, you give them the exact specs and I don't have the exact specs. I'm not an exact specs kind of guy. I need somebody who says, oh, oh, I see what you're trying to do. Here's what we need. You know, here's how I can help you. And so finding those people has been uh, a priority, but everybody who's reaching out is saying like, hey, you know, tell me, tell me what you need. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to sit there and spend the next three weeks you know, measuring every single possible thing. And, you know, I just need somebody who's going to take that bit and kind of understand what I'm trying to do. And so that's, that's, that's what we found. And I know it can be cheaper, right? And I know that once we do our first game and once we see how it all played out, 
we can make small adjustments, you know, and have exact numbers and do it better next time. But without the benefit of having done it already, it's just hard. And it's just an incredibly painful process. This particular thing, everything else has been really cool, but this manufacturing thing has been an incredibly painful process to try to do. So if you're thinking about making your own game, I would say 100% go for it. And if you're thinking about making your own game, I would say 100% do not do this. <laughs> <laughs> Take your pick, right? I want to be encouraging, you know, or informative either way. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this whole experience is a good thing for us all of us, because now you have this experience, you have this knowledge. Yeah. And the next time there's a game convention, you get to do this panel. That's right. You get to talk about it. <laughs> what? How to, how, to, how to screw up your Kickstarter and still no. fund it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, only if that's the actual title of the panel. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I think that's going to be a big draw. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because I think, you know, people that that manuf the business side of it yeah. is where people kind of start to flounder. They don't know where to start. I have this idea, but I don't know how to make it go from my head or from my little prototype to actually a, pro a produced product that can sit on a shelf in a store right. that I can sell. And it's that leap from the one to the other that people kind of I think lose hope or it fails on them because they just yeah. don't know where to go or how to do this. Yeah. And frankly, like if if this this is what I would have told myself. Mm -hmm. If that hurdle, if you can overcome it, then good. This then this this project is worth doing. If that is absolutely overwhelming to you and the the process the, the, the prospect of doing what Opti had to do is just overwhelming and, and mind-numbing and you would never feel happy doing that, then let that be your guide. Because if you get started and go down this road and you invest a lot of cool resources in trying to get, you know, your game just perfect and you and you have a bunch of playtesters and your your homebrew and your home world and, and yeah, absolutely. Those those things are great. Those are the fun parts. But like if you aren't willing to take that to the next level and put in the non-fun work, then let that be your guide. Like you're not, this isn't for you. And I and I would have uh, Opti from a year ago, knowing what he knows now. Well, maybe not now, because now he knows that the Kickstarter is going to fund. But, <laughs> but knowing how difficult it was going to be, maybe I wouldn't have done it. Because it has been so stressful uh, during certain periods you know, and, and a lot of work to try to get it to this place. Work that I had no idea was going to be such work. <laughs> now, now, again, let me just say that on the other side of it, right, I am so proud of what we've done. And I'm so proud of the team. And I'm so proud of everything that, that we are and what we stand for. And I'm proud of, of the deals that we were able to get. I just know that we could have done it better if I was an industry insider. And that's that's part of the gatekeeping that happens. Like they make it really difficult. They guard their sources really tightly so that people can't just walk in and do what they're doing. That's that's part of why people don't do it. Oh, no, valuable insight. And uh, you know, thank you for going through the process and getting this put out. And and now we all get to to learn from you. And you're going to do it better the next time you you do an, another game. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited to see where Fragging Unicorns goes. Like I said, I see so much, so much opportunity in this in this company and the things you're putting out. And I think what you're doing, your philosophy, your business model is commendable and totally worth it. And if you haven't backed yet, guys, get on Kickstarter. We'll include a, a link in the description. Get on Kickstarter and make him make more stretch goals. Absolutely. Please Back do. It. If we can get up to a hundred thousand. Oh yeah. Oh my be, God. The work you're going to have to do. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that would be joyful work. Let me tell you. Joyful work. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to put descriptions to the Kickstarter. We'll put our, a link to the Kickstarter, a link to the website. I'll put a link to your Facebook page. Is there anything else you'd like to include? Or like, do you, I know you, like I said, you have, you have a large community on this right now because you're very active in social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Also don't start a gaming company unless you have a billion hours a week to, 
<laughs> to waste <laughs> on social media. <laughs> so yeah, actually, one thing I do want to pump. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't remember if you said our YouTube channel or not, but on our YouTube <laughs> channel, we have a number of shows that we call Subversive Arcana. They're not shows. They're more like little intro videos, mm -hmm. but uh, the Subversive Arcana mini videos talk about the lore that is from Subversion and Gangs of the Undercity. And we also have an audio drama that you can find uh, on a podcast called Worlds Without End, or you can listen to it on that YouTube, on our YouTube channel. And that audio drama is called Undercity, and it acts as a lead-in to Gangs of the Undercity, the game. So we're really excited about that too. So please give that a listen, listen to our Subversive Arcana and kind of get into, get into the world. Yes, definitely, definitely. Get into it, get part of the, uh, or get, you know, watch the videos, get involved in the, in the Facebook and in the conversation on this and definitely back the, the Kickstarter and what uh, Fragging Unicorns as a company is trying to do for the gaming community as a whole. Please do. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. And uh, it's been great. Like I said, you are nothing but the best person. <laughs> and it's wonderful. I never hear anybody say a bad thing. I don't think anybody could come up with a bad thing. Go to go to 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a healthy dose of hate for me on 4chan. <laughs> well, now go now everybody's going to go to 4chan, 4chan to look for Ozzy. <laughs> well, I hope they're your champions and they they quell all the all the hate over there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to another episode and we will see you again. And if you have any questions about this episode or need any information at all, please feel free to reach out to me. And I'm sure Opti is also more than willing to. I apparently uh, am on well, social medias. <laughs> you're, you're on social media. If I want to find you, I can find you. Believe yes. me. Yes. You're easily found. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Jupiter. <laughs>